Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. It's Dress Rehearsal on KBFG Seattle, and I'm Lorenzo Marasso. Today I would like to talk about transcriptions, and in particular transcriptions of symphonic works, which was a practice that composers of a certain period, in particular from Romantic to Early Modern, used to employ to make their music available in absence of recordings or software that could reproduce the music virtually. The idea for today's podcast was inspired by a social media posting uh, as part of a mailing list that allows musicians to communicate with each other in order to advertise jobs and gigs, as well as ask for any kind of advice related to music. The posting read as follows. Is anyone here composing with Sibelius or Finale? And if so, have you found a solution for playing back your score with synthesized sounds in a way that is acceptable when presenting your composition to a performer or to an orchestra? This posting is interesting because it reveals a common practice between composers and what they do after they have notated a piece on paper. Well, actually, not on paper anymore, because composers today use what they are called the notation software, which are computer programs, like the one that I just mentioned in the posting, uh, that make the task of notating a piece of music much, much easier than doing it by hand. And by doing so, they avoid any errors and they make sure that the scores produced in this way are clear and easy to read, as well as they contain the most common markings used in musical notation. These computer programs not only allow a piece to be notated, but also to be previewed and to be listened to using virtual or synthesized sounds. In this way, a composer or any listener can get an idea of how a piece sounds before it is actually played by any instrumentalists. Whether it is a piece for piano solo, or a string quartet, or even a complex orchestral and symphonic piece, this computer software can give a pretty good idea whether the piece works or not from a musical point of view. In a similar field, architects and engineers do not draw a building by hand anymore, but use three-dimensional modeling computer software to do that, and they're also able to render these three-dimensional models with software that can simulate how the sunlight or any kind of artificial light hits the building surfaces, giving a pretty realistic rendition of the design. But if you were living at the time of Frank Lloyd Wright or Le Corbusier and all you had was a pencil and a, and a few colored pencil, this task was actually not very easy to accomplish. 
These new technologies, whether employed in music or in other fields, serve the purpose of communicating a piece of music or, or the idea of an architectural space to either a listener or to a client. But how was this task accomplished when these software were not yet available? At the time of Mozart or Beethoven, composers used transcriptions as a tool to accomplish this task. Composers of the pre-digital era and also of the pre-recording era used to transcribe orchestral pieces and adapt them for either a smaller ensemble or for piano duet, so that it was easier and actually cheaper to perform those reduced versions of a symphony, for example, and present it to an orchestral conductor for a future engagement. Other purposes for creating piano transcriptions of orchestral works included also academic and teaching purposes. Conducting students prior to facing an orchestra often practiced their gestures conducting a pianist or a piano duet playing the orchestral transcription of the piece that the conductor is actually learning. And lastly, transcriptions were also used for personal leisure by amateur pianists to explore the orchestral literature in the absence of recordings. Again, today this practice has been completely supplanted by virtual rendition of musical compositions as well as recordings. It is very uncommon that pianists would actually sit down and read the duet version of the Beethoven symphonies because it's just easier to buy the CD or go on, on, on a streaming platform and play the actual composition in, in its original version. The practice of transcribing a piece and adapting it to, a, to either a smaller ensemble or for piano duet started as early as when Bach transcribed uh, Vivaldi's concertos and adapted them for different instruments. Mozart also transcribed a few arias from his opera Don Giovanni and adapted it for wind ensemble. Over the years, and in particular with the Romantics, the transcription became very popular. Franz Liszt, for example, transcribed all of the Beethoven symphonies and adapted them for piano solo, mainly for his own enjoyment as well as for him to perform those symphonies during a piano recital, which was a very new thing to do. Later in the 1900s, Dmitry Shostakovich also created piano and duet transcriptions of most of his own symphonies, as well as of works of other composers like Stravinsky and Honegger. And he did that in order to teach these works to his students at the Moscow Conservatoire. The practice of creating transcription was somewhat discontinued when recordings became technologically more reliable, in which case as a composer it was enough to send an orchestral director a recording of their own symphony in the hope of being hired for a future performance. One composer that greatly used the format of transcription was Johannes Brahms and Brahms arranged the piano duet version of most of his orchestral works to preview or to test the music in front of his friends and colleagues. Brahms arranged all of his four symphonies, the Serenades, the String Quartets and the German Requiem for piano for hands, and all of these transcriptions successfully translate the complex and rich orchestration texture into pianistic writing. Among the vast panorama of Brahms' transcriptions is the first of his two piano concertos. The Piano Concerto No. 1 in D minor, Opus 15, was composed in 1858 and four years later, in 1862, Brahms created a version for piano duet upon request of his publisher. 
While it is common to transcribe the piano concerto and adapt the orchestral part to be played by a second pianist, it is quite unusual that the piano concerto could be played by two pianists on one instrument only, like in the version that we are going to listen to shortly. In this transcription, both the solo part and the orchestral part are fused together and the material is equally distributed between the two pianists. One would think that this piano concerto being played by two pianists instead of just one may be easier to perform, but let me tell you that it is not the case, as you will hear. The work is in three movements, a first movement marked Maestoso, a second movement marked Adagio, and a final third movement, a Rondo. Brahms' own transcription for piano for hands of his piano concerto number one in D minor, opus 15, is played here on 107.3 KBFG Seattle without interruption between the three movements. The two performers are pianists Lilia Zilberstein and Kord Garben.
This is Dress Rehearsal on KBFG Seattle, and I'm your host, Lorenzo Marasso. My topic today is transcriptions. And you have just listened to Brahms' own transcription for Piano for Hands of his Piano Concerto Number no. 1 in D minor, Opus 15, played here on 107.3 KBFG Seattle by pianists Lilliel Zilberstein and Cord Garben. I hope you have enjoyed learning about transcriptions and listening to Brahms' Piano Concerto Number no. 1. For now, I leave you with one final piece, the Hungarian Dance Number no. 5 in F-sharp minor by Johannes Brahms, transcribed by Brahms himself for piano solo, performed here on KBFG Seattle by pianist George Friedrich Schank. And I look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of Dress Rehearsal here on KBFG Seattle.